0: Hello and welcome to Dear Franny, the podcast of uncommon conversations about love. I'm your host, Francesca Hoagie. Hey, hey, hey. I'm so excited for this episode today. I know I always say that, but I am always excited. But really, I got to talk to my friend Dana Hamilton, and she's amazing. And she has been on the podcast before. And I will be sure to link to her previous episode in the show notes because that was an amazing episode as well. But this one, there are so many new developments in Dana's life, and gosh, she's got a lot to share with us today. So for those of you who are not familiar with Dana Hamilton, she has written oftentimes humorous essays inspired by her very bizarre life, mostly notably surrounding sex, travel, and eating disorder recovery. She is a Playboy sex columnist, a former road tripper, and an anti-diet dating coach. An anti-diet dating coach. She's gonna explain what that's all about. Dana is passionate about sex positivity, body positivity, and pointing out the toxic similarities between the diet industry and modern dating. As an anti-diet dating coach, she helps people make peace with their bodies and develop the self-confidence necessary to have the sex and dating experiences they deserve. Dana is amazing. I can't wait for you to hear this. She enlightened me as to some things. It was like a really, really cool conversation about diet culture, dating culture, sex, the best cities to date, the worst cities to date. Dana has some very strong opinions about this that I really am excited for you guys to hear. And she's just an amazing, lovely human being so I am really excited for you to hear this conversation with my friend Dana Hamilton Dana Hamilton welcome
1: back to dear Franny hello thanks for having me back of
0: course I'm so excited to have you back it's great talking to you as always tell me and tell the listeners how have you been doing since oh my God. your first episode, your last episode of Dear Franny a year ago?
1: The last time I saw you, I was in town. I was in LA to see my Playboy editor. And then I was still living on the East Coast at the time. And I was in the middle of a huge male bisexuality piece. And that ended up publishing. So last summer, I had a five-page feature in now RIP Playboy print. So I was living on the East Coast. And then I was kind of hopping back and forth between East Coast and LA for work. I had to shadow a couple porn shoots. I also had some travel writing going on and a bunch of other fun stuff. And then I came back last September. So September of 2019, I came with the intention of like, like honestly if I'm gonna be brutally honest leaving the industry I was like I'm done with sex writing I'm done with uh working in media it's so volatile I just want some stability and I really just want some peace and I also don't want to be known by any cis men who are like consistently sliding into my dms on social media like I was done with the harassment I was done with being like I don't want to say public figure but just like being out in the zeitgeist and i was gonna move to
0: well as a sex writer like you were in that industry you were a public figure you did have a high profile
1: yeah and i was kind of like done with being treated not honestly human and um i was like i'm done i'm gonna leave i like told all my contacts i was like hey i no longer work in this industry i like came to la um i was going to move to texas i was gonna move to austin i know i remember that was the plan yeah yeah the plan was i'm moving to texas and i'm gonna get like at that point i was like i'll be a bank teller like i don't care anymore i just want to have something stable and you know not scary anymore i came here and then i realized like oh i actually have a huge network of friends of here comparable to my network in new york started dating here and realized oh my god this is the easiest city in america you can fight me on this i don't care but like <laughs> this is the easiest city to date in hands down and you know from my last interview i've dated in nine u.s cities including new york so 10 i know what it's like to date across this entire country and back and i was just like oh yeah la is easy as shit and so <laughs> so i met someone Well, I would never ever advocate for someone to make like a huge life change based upon another person ever. But I did start dating someone here who I really, really like and kind of fell for and was like, okay, I, I think that there are professional opportunities for me here. I think that there are good friends here. And I think the dating here is really easy. So I decided to move here January 7th of this year. So January 7th, 2020, I came here and was like, making my way downtown, walking fast, gonna make a home in LA. And then like the whole world <laughs> fell apart. <laughs> so like, fuck me, I guess. But like, that's what happened. I was like, oh shit. So then a lot of things happened. Um, I decided that like, I could never leave the industry. Um, I love the work that I do, but I just really wanted to discover who my people were. And I realized that my people are formerly eating disordered women and non-binary people. And once I figured that out for my business, everything changed. Because now I'm in a completely different space, headspace, but also a completely different physical. Space and financial space and everything like everything in my life changed and that was also due to the work that you and I did together because I hired you to help me figure out my career stuff and it like was a game changer. Um, I'm so glad to it really this. was. Yeah, because you were the person who taught me that like if I wanted to make a career out of writing, I could. And there are also so many other things that. I love doing, and I just didn't really figure out a way to make that transition from like personal passion project into like a business. And so now I launched a Patreon, and my Patreon is over a hundred Patreon members within the first like two months. It's been bananas. That's incredible. Yeah, it really is. I am really proud of that. I'm writing comedy for people who don't want to learn about dating and sex stuff. They just are. They know me as a humorist and just want to continue reading my work. And then I also put out like really important deeply I would say serious but still with like my usual brand of like candor and humor stuff about dating and sex for people who want to just like strengthen their relationships with themselves and with other people. So I have that going on. And then I, I finally got the balls to be like, okay, I have been doing dating coaching unofficially through like friends and through random folks for years. And I've never, I don't want to say I didn't charge people for it or anything like that, but I was just like, oh, I can be working with people and doing like multiple months of work. With really incredible humans who are looking to change their relationship with dating and dieting and um, see what happens when you really decide that you're going to divorce yourself from diet culture, which permeates every single facet of our lives, including dating and realizing that like, oh... I'm getting in my own way because I am believing a lot of dating culture stuff that I should no longer be believing, in. it's not worth my time anymore. So wow, <laughs> oh, j- just that. <laughs> There's so many things. Oh yeah, just like my whole <laughs> life changed, Franny, in the course of a year. Uh, just that, just that little thing. Wow. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. wow, it's
0: nuts. It's so it's so good. I knew about a couple of things, but I didn't know about yeah. everything. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really want to talk about the coaching. Obviously, I'm like really sure, sure. excited to talk. About- about that let's just back it up for maybe for yeah. people who didn't hear your first interview or maybe sure, people who sure, aren't sure. familiar with with you and your career yeah. as a sex writer. So for yeah. people who don't understand what it is to be a a sex writer and mm-hmm. to be a woman sex writer, yes, maybe explain a little bit about what was happening there and why yes. that almost drove you out of. The sure. industry.
1: Sure. So I'm a female identified sex writer um, and I'm young. And at the time I was uh, unpartnered. So I was completely single. And a lot of people would read my work and then assume that because I'm single and that because I'm, you know, young and, you know, funny and out there and outgoing. And even though I share the details of my sex life, that they essentially assumed consent that they can share their sex lives with me which could be really triggering because i am a sexual assault survivor so getting an inbox flooded with people telling me about like intimate details of their sex lives or things that they want to do to me or with me um, without my consent um i also had a stalker based out of boston which was really fucking scary and it's a combination of being out there in the world as a writer and a person online who shares intimate details of her sex life with the intention of like destigmatizing sex and just people not recognizing that I have boundaries and that my boundaries as a sex writer and educator are much stronger than the average person's and because of my background as a survivor like it's even doubly hard I would get men like every stereotypical creepy man that you can think of like has reached out to me but I've also was getting a lot of female identified people who saw me as an older sister and then would reach out for emotional labor asking for advice without compensation but also like I don't do one-off advice like, that's not my jam and never has been. And so I don't like that either. It's not helpful to people. Right. You get yeah. that. Like, yep. you probably get that all the time. And I, well, not even probably. I know you do. And so that's just part of being a, a coach and being a woman and having something to say and having a really strong perspective. People want to, like, bounce things off of you or whatever, but they don't realize that I have 300 other people who are trying to bounce things off of me. And if everyone bounced things off of me, I wouldn't have any time to do my career. So
0: yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, I know. sometimes you I get it emails. And it hurts me. And if anybody sent me an email like this, and I haven't responded, it's because there are 25 things for me to respond to in your email. Right. (laughs) And I have a lot of other people emailing me and yeah. a lot of those people are my actual clients and I right. have to prioritize them
1: right and not even that it's just that I don't think that people understand number one boundaries online we can that's like that could be a whole other conversation but it's really triggering when you receive a message and you can't respond because all my PTSD brain wants to do is like put someone in their place or spend the emotional energy responding responding and then not responding, which is the correct thing to do, feels like an act of powerlessness. Mm, So it's, it was so hard for me to... And it's stressful. It's so stressful. It takes up emotional space, even if you don't respond. Yes, exactly. And so that was really tiring. And so I had that. And then also in my personal life, I mean, we got a little bit into my dating life in the last episode, but. Yeah, people are shitty to me when they figure out that I am just a normal person trying to date. And I was kind of done after like three solid years of being on apps. And then when people figure out who I am, they read all my work. They think that they know me intimately. And the fact is, you might know a little bit more about me. But number one, that is a persona. Even though it's very close to who I am as an actual human, it's still not 100% me. It's the face that you put on on social media or in my writing. Oh my god, it's, it's a fact of me but it's not all of me and it's also so lopsided because I was finding people who wanted to date me for the novelty of it number one or were curious about what sex with me was like or any of that shit and they can go and find out a lot about me but I didn't have the same luxury so I was enacting this rule with people that I was dating and like I'll be really honest with you the person I've been dating for the last seven months still doesn't follow my business account like still hasn't read any of my work Um and that's because like I really wanted him to get to know me for who I actually am and not confuse it with the Dana Hamilton Playboy writer.
0: Wow, that must be so freeing for you.
1: Yeah, it was wonderful. And to have those boundaries respected... It was monumental. I've never had somebody treat me so kindly. Um, I've had a couple of people I've dated who have been so respectful of my request to like, please don't read my work. Please don't follow my accounts. Like, please don't, you know, do that until we really have a solid foundation. And uh, I remember the person I dated before, this current person who's lovely and we're still in contact and he's still one of my really good friends. I think it took him a year and a half until I let him (laughs) follow my accounts. And so like yeah, I move kind of slow. And um, I am really, I'm serious. When I'm, when I like somebody, I invest in them and I want to get to know them and, and we're not on any sort of like timeline. So if it takes a year and a half, if it takes more than seven months. If it takes whatever, then that's what we're going to do. So.
0: Wow. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you put up with that for so long. I mean, I get it, but at least I get it. It's not about sex. Yeah, I get it about yeah. dating. I get it about confidence. Sure. And I mean, but to have people get yeah, constantly sending you the details of their sex lives. It's a lot. That's a lot. It's
1: a lot. It's a so lot. I, I
0: don't blame you for wanting to escape that. But then, okay, moving on to dating in LA yeah. because... Yeah, oh my God, so fun. <laughs> I love that you think that LA is the best place to so date. Fun. I happen to also... It really is. We talked about this before. Like, I think that wherever you live, like if you're looking for something serious, dating feels hard. Like, I don't think anybody is ever like, it's likely to feel hard for you. True. However. Yes. I also think that, you can make dating fun anywhere that you live, and so a lot of people, because a lot of single women who live in L.A. think L.A. is the worst mm-hmm. place, and I'm like, it really isn't. Right. Let me it tell really you, it <laughs> is not.
1: It, it is the easiest. It As someone not. who's, I've dated in New York, Boston, Asheville, North Carolina, Austin, Texas, Denver, Miami, Chicago, Portland, L.A., Seattle. Uh, Missoula. I think that's everything. Okay. That's everywhere. I I will say with utmost confidence that LA is hands down the easiest place to date and I will say a small caveat which is it's really easy to date in if you are a New Yorker. So like I'm a New York woman. I come to LA. These men have no idea what the fuck to do with me. (laughs) (laughs) I am a fun little novelty. I'm somebody who says exactly what they mean. I don't play any games. And I'm pretty, like, I don't stand people up. I'm very respectful of people's time. And, like, I yeah show up for people so like if i commit to a date as long as you don't fuck anything up in the interim i'm more than likely going to show up on that date i don't ghost people i never do yeah and so like that's as long as you're like a really good communicator and you say what you mean and mean what you say like it's a really easy place for people to date i really do think that
0: wow so i know okay is it i think you said that portland is the worst place
1: yes i hate portland you're
0: like that's the worst place Sorry. so tell me what makes portland terrible Okay. And then also maybe how does New York compare?
1: Okay. So New York, actually, I'll get into New York first because New York is like its own animal. So New York is very, very unique in that there are people like, here's the thing about LA. LA everybody, everybody says that like no one's looking for anything serious and or monogamous. And that's, we can get into my entire coaching philosophy, which is like, I don't believe in goal-oriented dating. I do not believe in boyfriend or bust. I believe that a one-night stand is just as powerful, has the potential to change your life as a two-month fling, as a two-year relationship. I think that experiences are worth their weight in gold. And if we just really divorce ourselves from needing it to be serious and monogamous from the get-go and just like let ourselves just be open to anything can happen. So many things would change. But here's the thing about LA. LA, everyone says that like, no one wants anything serious. I'm sorry. Have you swiped here? Every fucking person is like, don't want to hook up. I want something serious. I'm looking for my person. Like that is... All of LA. LA is desperate for connection because unlike New York, it's so spread out and you can really very quickly fall into a trap of only seeing your friends and you only see your coworkers and you don't really see anybody else. New York is not like that. New York is like not a a really easy place for you to feel physically alone. You might feel like mentally alone, but like physically, you're always on top of each other. You're always coming into contact with so many people. But in LA, it's really not like that. So everyone is desperate for connection. And so the thing about LA is that, yeah, there are a lot of I mean, quote unquote, the industry is here, meaning the film and TV industry. There's a lot of schmoozing. There's a lot of like bigger, better deal type shit where it's like people are really into their appearance here in a way that's much different than New York. It's just culturally a lot different. But if you find your authentic like group, if you find the people who like aren't subscribing to any of that bullshit, there are a lot of amazing people here.
0: I agree with that totally.
1: So like, so in New York, New York dating is bananas because there's so much diversity in terms of like yeah people but like where they're coming from what type of industries you work in like i was cracking up the other day my friend devin who's brilliant she and i were sitting down and being like do you remember dating in new york in your 20s and all the crazy people we've dated like i have if i went through all people i've dated it was like kindergarten teacher an apple store genius bar employee a Russian banker, an <laughs> advertising executive who like filed for a bank. Like, it's just like, it's literally every walk of life. Like This is I a date- very good point. You know, like this I is dated a, very good a, point about a voiceover York, yeah. actor. Yeah, like yeah. all these people. And then like people who come from all different types of like socioeconomic backgrounds and everyone's looking for something different. So if you are a, like a non-goal oriented dating person where you're like, I'm open to a fun fling or a lifelong partnership or uh, a nominee or whatever, like New York has. It. yeah if you're carrie bradshaw yes exactly <laughs> like new york is like it's a complete grab bag of people and that's here so cool. there are a lot of people who are like deeply spiritual who like actually care about people and are deeply empathetic and even though it might be a quote unquote not so serious relationship it can be carried out in a way that's like empathetic and kind so I've had hookups here like I've had one night stands here I've had flings here and everyone's been like very communicative open and like nice I'm also dating someone like longer I don't say longer term but like we've been dating for seven months it's not like a fling and yeah like I hit the jackpot with who I date. Like I'll be honest with you, but like <laughs> I do believe that if for any reason
0: they hit the jackpot, Dana,
1: I I hope I who knows. <laughs> I do hope that I am very, let's just say this, if for any reason I was no longer dating the person that I currently date, I am very hopeful that I would find someone else very lovely. I just think that this is a city full of really quality, awesome people. In the same way that there are those people in New York, but it's just that like New York, you're constantly overstimulated and you're constantly like overwhelmed. And so people really want, like people cherish their alone time. People like aren't really looking to date and make connections because they're constantly making connections all day. In LA, you don't have as much connection and you're really looking to build like more meaningful things, but it doesn't, but meaningful doesn't necessarily have to mean monogamous or long-term.
0: You know, this is a really interesting conversation (laughs) for me because um, as somebody who is also, you know, I'm from New York, as you know, Mm -hmm. I've dated in New York, I've dated in LA and I've always found dating in LA to be much easier. Right? And I... Don't know that I like articulated it the way that you have, but I think it is part definitely the, I do think that people are like maybe counterintuitively for people who are listening to this are less mm-hmm. flaky here.
1: Yes. I don't think. Because there's a lot are, of planning.
0: There is a lot of planning. And yeah, like I, I feel like in New York, it's just so easy to be like, oh, Hey, like you want to meet in 10 minutes? Like, right? and just because it's that easy to say, let's meet in 10 minutes. It's also easy to say like, oh, sorry, we're not going to make, I'm not going to make it.
1: <laughs> you right. I mean? Yes.
0: But okay well really quickly tell me why portland is the terror is the worst place for dating
1: okay honestly it's full of sad boys like let's just oh. be real it's just a lot of like bright eyes listening fucking white dreads motherfuckers and i'm like i'm not like first of all like for, first of all like for it was people who claim that they're super woke but like aren't because if you oh, were God. woke you wouldn't have dreads sir you know what i mean like that's the thing. Like, like let's be really fucking honest. It's like a lot of people who are like, yes, I'm really in touch with my chi and like, I believe in like saving the world and I'm vegan and like, whatever. You can have whatever diet you want. And like, you can have it from a sense of like doing the world a service. And that's great. But like, if you're doing all that, but then you're also like a terrible fucking person, like I don't want to date you so, <laughs> you know?
0: Oh my God. I love it. Okay. That's <laughs> hilarious. I'm really glad I asked you that. Um, okay. So
1: I want to talk about diet. <laughs> Diet culture, dating
0: culture, how do you define them and how do they fuck us up.
1: (laughs) Okay. So the very, very easy answer to this is that diet culture and dating culture operate on scarcity. And how that happens is that like, it's this idea of I can only have one, like I have to have the perfect body, or it's not even worth it. Or I can't even live my life unless I look a certain way. And then in dating, it's like, I there's only one person out there for me. And unless I find that person, I'm fucking up and being single is a failure. And being not thin is a failure. And like, and essentially, like, if we really think about it, I think about it in the terms of like a revenge body, like the revenge body is like the perfect example of how dating culture and diet culture intersect, which is a relationship ends. And the first impulse that we have to do is to like, get like, is to become thinner in a way that makes our partner jealous when in actuality what should be happening after a breakup is like i don't know fuck what that other person thinks like (laughs) who gives a single shit if you have abs now like your breakup has happened so why don't you go off and live your life in a way that doesn't inspire like stress and like white knuckling the idea of a body that you're supposed to have or gives any like any emotional or like brain real estate to somebody who's no longer in your life that's really it it's about like being present and being like okay that relationship has ended what i'm gonna focus on now instead of like waxing poetic about the past is like where i am currently and who i want to date now and who I want to be in my life and what I deserve and my body I'm going to treat really well in terms of like, I'm going to eat what I want when I want it. That food holds no sense of morality, that your body holds no sense of morality. If you're in a bigger or smaller body, it doesn't mean you're better than anybody else. Yeah. Like there's that aspect of it. And also like, do you know anybody Franny who didn't diet before their wedding? That is just, that's a cultural expectation that we have, particularly on people who identify as women, where it's like, you have to look a certain way. It's, it's they love, like the diet industry and the dating industry love working together because what both of them say is you have to look a certain way in order to live your life. A lot of people like hyper-focus on diet culture and and indulging in diet culture because they wanna find a partner. They believe that the only way that they can find a good partner is via having a specific body. And that's just not true. And if you believe that there's only one person out there in a world of 8 billion people, I haven't, like, you have another thing coming because there are <laughs> so literally, many there are 20 people in your zip code. There are a thousand people in your state. There are hundreds of thousands of people in the country or world that you could build a beautiful, caring, loving relationship with. Yes. Like, seriously. So, this scarcity mindset of like one body or nothing or one person or nothing is bullshit. And, um, yeah. And essentially, like, how my career kind of started was. I started talking about, I mean, this is something we talked about in my last episode, but I got into sex writing because that was how I started my eating disorder recovery, was realizing that I wanted a pleasure-based model for recovery, and I wanted to treat my body well, and sex was one of the easiest ways for me to do that, and so moving forward what I realized was like the moment you start breaking up with diet culture and all these lies that diet culture tells you and diet culture is anything that like causes you to have a disordered relationship with uh, food or exercise or movement, I should say. Mm-hmm. So, um, anything that tells you that you need to, that you need to eat a certain way or move a certain way or look a certain way is diet culture. Mm -hmm. um and modern dating culture is just this like modern dating culture if i'm being very honest is the idea that it's uh first of all it's super heteronormative it leaves like no room for nuance in terms of like people who have sexualities outside of heterosexual which include me because i don't identify as fully heterosexual um and it's the disney princess fallacy bullshit where it's like you uh have to be chased by a man Um, that monogamy and marriage are the goals as opposed to just like things that may or may not happen in your life. Um, I hate the idea of life milestones fuck that you can do whatever the hell you want. If you get married (laughs) great if you don't get married that's also great like I think it's really beautiful for people to date long term and never get married because it means that you're showing up every day making a conscious decision to date and there's no like paperwork obligating you to be there. It's like a of your own volition.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't plan on getting married.
1: Yeah. I don't plan on getting married either. Yeah. We're Um, good. We're like,
0: why? We don't.
1: Yeah. We don't need the pay. And like (laughs) the best, the best um, quote that I ever had my friend, my friend, my friend, and I'll, I'll call him out. His name is Dave Heal and he lives in Denver and he's one of (laughs) my friends who I met while road tripping. We didn't date. Um, I met up with him and his partner, Mish, who are like the sweetest couple on the planet. And Dave and I were just driving one day and he was like, yeah, I don't want the government involved in my relationship. And I was like, honestly. honestly could not have said it better myself. Like could not have thought of another way of saying it where it's like, I'm happy to have a domestic partnership in case, uh, you know, health insurance or my partner is sick or anything like that. I'm happy Mm -hmm. to have those in place as safeguards. Um, but in terms of an actual marriage, I don't need that. I just, uh, do I still get to see my person every day? Cool. Like I'm, I'm good, you know? So yeah. So, so, um,
0: you know, I agree with like so much of what you said. Um, you know, especially about the scarcity model in yeah. in dating culture, and it's so yeah. harmful, and it's such a lie. It's like you just, so you're just saying that everyone who is with somebody just happened <laughs> to live, to just go to school with or live next door to their one soulmate in the whole world. It just doesn't right. make any sense. Um, right. <laughs> but um, but I I guess so. How. Going back to diet culture though, for a moment, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, obviously it's so harmful, and you're right, it's such a great point. Like, everyone dies before their wedding, and it's just like this, oh God, it's yeah. just this given. Like, of course, yeah, it wants to be the day that you look the best, and all this, whatever, right, and the best right. is the thinnest, and whatever. Right. Um, and it obviously just diminishes the quality of so many people's lives. Right. Um, you know, having that programming always in your head, mm-hmm. judging you. Um, mm-hmm. but how do you balance that? And I, you know, and I say this as somebody and you know this like I had to lose a bunch of weight Mm -hmm. like for medical reasons Mm -hmm. you know because I was a person who was very comfortable like when I was younger I was much thinner and then I got older and I was like I'm just getting older my body's changing I don't care it doesn't change my value as a person and I was very comfortable with my larger body Mm -hmm. it didn't impact you know, anything, my dating, my Right. Nothing. Um, but then my doctor was like, uh, you're pre-diabetic.
1: Right. I remember you you telling me that.
0: Right. And so I wound up being like, Oh, I can't just eat whatever I want. I can't just not exercise because I don't feel like it because my body was legitimately like, bitch, do you want diabetes? (laughs) Right. And the answer is like, no.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And like a lot of people a lot of people like are afraid to break up with diet culture because they believe that if they um if they don't like abide by diet culture's rules, that means that they are putting their health at risk. And here's the thing, though. I believe in a philosophy called health at every size and there's a health at every size movement um, that's going on. And like you said, Franny, your doctor, like I couldn't tell by looking at you what your blood work is. Right. In the same way that I like someone looks at me and I am in a thinner body. And when I was at my thinnest, which was a few years ago, it was because I have an autoimmune disease and my small intestine stopped working so I stopped absorbing nutrients
0: oh my god
1: here's the shit so like someone could see me on the street and the thing that actually made me really angry because I was working in book publishing at the time and I was going to an office every day and I had multiple people on my staff come up to be like oh my god you look amazing what are you doing and I was like oh I'm slowly dying of an autoimmune disease do you want it like fuck you lady (laughs) so like so here's the thing and I was on so much medication to stabilize it. Oh my God. I was on, I can't even tell you. And these are medications that are like harmful for my liver um, long term and shit like that. And like, I understand what it means to be like, uh, uh, to have someone look at you and assume your health. The thing is, yes. I can look at you in a larger body and. You, and then a doctor says that you're pre-diabetic and then I can also see somebody in a body of a similar size and I don't know their blood work so totally. yeah. so what I, my argument is that there can be someone in like whatever size you were that was bigger there are plenty of people out there who are that size or larger who don't have any health issues
0: totally absolutely my sister is one of those people by the way yeah and yeah.
1: beyond that there are plenty of people who are in a size body that's bigger than you know me at my sickest. so like I can't you can't look at anyone, regardless of their size, thin, like, what they call straight size, which is meaning like thinner or people who can find, um, like straight size people are people who don't have any trouble walking into a, you know a mall and finding clothes that fit them. So yeah. I identify straight size and I have been for a long time, but I've also not been straight size. I've been bigger and I've um, you know, have had, had trouble in the past, but for right now, there are people who exist in larger bodies who may have medical issues and there are people in smaller bodies who may have medical issues. What is the theme for all of them is regardless of your health status, because I'm still someone in a straight-sized body with an autoimmune disease, I still have other medical issues going on. Um, it doesn't mean that, number one, I am not incapable, I am not capable of being loved. Um, and number two, that I should, I'm should i not deserving of respect. So Absolutely. the thing the thing about health of every size is it's not saying like, oh, like fuck. First of all, I just say it's not saying fuck health. It's just saying fuck health as the barometer of how well we should treat people. That's really all it is. Mm-hmm. It's just saying that like, Someone who's in a bigger body who has some health issues does, isn't subhuman. Who should and the the body positivity mood, movement, which I know has been co-opted by thin white women who have a belly roll and love to show it off, was really <laughs> was really the foundation of it was in disabled people, in um, people in black and brown bodies, um, uh, or you know uh, uh, non-white folks, and um, people in larger bodies. So the whole movement that a lot of people love to co-op for like what the appropriate term for those white women who are going around is self love. And like, I am happy to say, I'm happy that there are so many self love accounts and self acceptance accounts and body love accounts and body acceptance accounts. But I do not appreciate when people co-opt a movement that isn't theirs. Mm. So, um, and a lot of, a lot of fat phobia is based in racism and Eurocentric standards of beauty which are thin, white, straight hair, all this shit. So it's like, that. that's the thing that kind of pisses me off is like um, when people don't understand that there are like social justice movements, uh, like th- that is the basis of body positivity. Um, and I'm not gonna be, and like, and the thing is, what I have found is the tenets of rejecting diet culture are intuitive eating and intuitive movement, which means that I only eat the things that i want to eat when i want to eat them and when i give myself freedom to enjoy all the foods that are out there guess what i binge less like that was that was the thing that like really cured me of my eating disorder was when you feel like things are restrictive and you can't have x y and z guess what that's what you're going to want to Absolutely. eat more so a lot of the fear of like like me
0: and mint chocolate chip ice cream i just that's like i that's all i want to (laughs) eat
1: right but 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 then franny there's a point where you like so you now have so i wave a wand i give you permission to eat chocolate chip ice cream are you eating that every meal every day for months on end no not
0: every meal but every day yes
1: (laughs) sure and you know what if that's what makes you happy and that's what you and that's the thing like people are really fearful of trying to learn intuitive eating because their fear is oh my god Alan going to do is eat burgers and fries and shit all day. And that's not true. When you're intuitively eating, you're eating kind of everything under the sun. And sometimes it's things with high nutritional value. And sometimes it's things with low nutritional value. And the moment that you stop labeling foods as good or bad is when your body is at whatever size it needs to be and wants to be to survive. And in terms with like exercise and movement too, like, I I suffered a back injury last year and all I wanted to do was work out, but I had to listen to my body and be like, oh, rest is really important. And a lot of things are really important. And I realized that there are some things that I used to do to work out that I really didn't enjoy and was doing it solely because I felt compelled to. Um, When in actuality, when I found the things, the type of movement that I love, like I actually love Pilates. My relationship with Pilates started out really, really, unhelpfully and I was doing it um, compulsively. And then I realized, Oh, actually I love it when I don't force myself to do it all the time. Um, I also realized I fucking hate the treadmill. I hate, uh, the elliptical, but I love, I love hula hooping. I love swimming. I'll always love swimming. I love riding my bike. Um, I hate spin classes, but I love being out in nature, you know, and just being like, Oh, these are the things that I enjoy. And essentially like all this, this is to say is there are so many rules in how to live your life in terms of like, you have to eat X, Y, and Z things or you're g- bad, or you have to move in X, Y, and Z way or you're bad, or you have to not be single because being single is bad. And I just got to a point where I was like, I'm throwing, throwing, all the fucking rules out the window because like I found that whenever I quote unquote follow the rules, I'm, um, I don't know, fucking miserable. And when <laughs> I let myself do what feels good to me, I feel a lot better. And that actually really defined my relationship with non-monogamy too, where I realized like, oh, I don't think fucking one person for the rest of my life is really going to work for me. Um, And right now I'm dating monogamously because of the pandemic um, and just like safety measures. But eventually some time will go on and I might want to return to non-monogamy again. I don't know. I don't know right now, but like, you know, and that's that's the other point of it, too, is like. Instead of, like, planning out, like, there's so much fucking planning when it comes to diet culture. Like, I would have to, like, if this were back pre-pandemic days, um, I would have to, like, research a restaurant and, like, figure out what I was going to eat before I even got there. Oh, wow. I would have to, like, pre-plan, like, so much, like, oh, I have to hit x amount of workouts this week then i have to cancel this plane with this friend so i can get my workout and all the oh, and then wow. i got to a point where I wonder you were miserable dana right and then with dating <laughs> i was like with dating i was constantly yeah like constantly throwing myself into the future and being like you know what if uh he cheats on me or what if this text message means something that it doesn't or look, whatever and intuitive eating and intuitive movement have really forced me to be like, well, what do I want right now? Like I want a PB and J. I also want to go out with my partner and go to a comedy show. I don't need to think about tomorrow. I don't need to think about the next day. I just need to be fully present in this moment and be like, what does my body need? What does my soul need? What does my heart need? And that has been really, really helpful. And, and, and when you get to that place, you realize, that relationships will be significantly less stressful because you're not launching yourself into the future all the time. You're just like responding to things as they come. Yes, And that's been really, really helpful. Once I healed my relationship with my body, I could finally heal my relationship with others for sure.
0: Oh my God. It's huge. All that judgment, all of that, you know, criticism. It's like, once you stop, doing that to yourself, then you can look Mm -hmm. at other people with so much more compassion.
1: Yes. And so much less
0: judgment. It's so beautiful. Also,
1: right. And have the knowledge that, if this thing ends like if this relationship that is currently a booty call that i hope to develop into something else if that doesn't go the way that i plan i'm really good at thinking on my feet i'm really good at getting myself out of situations that i'm not happy in i'm really good at recognizing that my life like be my goals should never be how my body looks or if i'm partnered it's just gonna, I have no control over any of that. It's people split in and out of my life. And um, as a road trooper, that's what I learned like really, really uh, strongly, which is that like some people aren't permanent and that's okay. And um, and it's also okay to build things with people, but the way to a like long-term monogamous relationship, it's built one day at a time. It's not built with all this pre-planning. Cause shit yeah. sometimes happens. Sometimes life throws us curveballs. Oh, it Sometimes, sure does. <laughs> you know, things things come out of nowhere. In terms, and we COVID nineteen anyone? <laughs> right, and we can, and we can't control other people. And we and the last thing we should ever do to our partners is attempt to control them because that is not an act of love. That's an act of, um, I would even argue, violence to control partners. I think that that's very abusive. Um, yeah. So yeah, but that is to say that if someone's doing something that doesn't work for you, instead of trying to mold them into what you view they should be, you recognize your boundaries and be like, Hey, this doesn't work for me. I wish you the best. I'm going to go find something that does work for me. And I hope you do too. And you know, it's really, really changed my relationship with dating because I was one of those people that was monogamy or bust for sure. Um, or long-term or bust. And I wanted to build really deep emotional, um, links with people. And I realized that I could, I can build things that are, are, um, that are powerful and that are life-changing and are temporary.
0: Wow. Dana, amazing.
1: <laughs>
0: wow. I just, I, I love, I am just so I, well, now I need to have you back a third time <laughs> just so we could talk about dating coaching. Um, so, so really, so, you know, really quick, how, how, mm-hmm. So you mentioned already, you know, that you are anti-diet dating coach, and that yes. you work with women identifying and non-binary people. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you, how did you come to that specific niche? I mean, this is kind of a big question. Yeah. yeah. I
1: realized. So when, when all of that stuff that happened last year where I was like, I'm leaving the industry, fuck all of this. Like I don't want to do any of this work anymore. Um, it was, it was the catalyst that happened was because I was dealing with a harasser, uh, a male identified harasser, multiple actually. And I had to shut down all my social media and I just, essentially got rid of any I got a, rid of like a lot of my male followers I'll be honest with you and people I didn't know um, because the person who harasses me was making fake profiles to talk to me so anything that looked suspicious I just got rid of and then once I kind of purged all those people um, I realized that the people that I was in contact with most were the people in the recovery community because I am a part of it I'm 13 years a part of it um, and a lot of non diet dietitians and a lot of Hayes dietitians and um, my circle naturally is just uh, a lot of people who believe in the same body image work that i do and um and i would talk them up and i would be like oh i just love the work that a lot of my friends are doing i wish i had access to this type of uh these resources um back in the day like i when i was going through my Uh, recovery, starting at 19, which was, you know, almost 13 years ago, um, I would talk them up and they would talk me up and we just kind of would constantly, uh, just kind of, um, have our fan bases really meet. So my, my sex work, uh, sex writing fan base would be exposed to diet culture, anti-diet culture stuff. And then all of my anti-diet culture friends would talk me up and there was just this overlap. And then eventually I realized, oh my God, there's just so much overlap in these communities in general. I would love to talk, to do like, these are my people. Like, these are the people that I want to talk to you. I've been in that position 19 or 13 years ago where my relationship with my body was the thing that was really getting in the way of my dating success and just success in terms of relationships with other people in general, romantic or not. And I was really scared of living my life authentically. And I was really scared of just so many things. I was just terrified of so many things. So, um, Yeah, that's kind of how I got into this work. And then as I started and then my writing was that, too, because my writing has always straddled um, the fence of like body stuff and sex stuff and how they all intertwined. And in my actual like portfolio, like I wrote a piece for Marie Claire magazine uh, a few years ago where I made my stomach, which was the um, part of my body I hyper focused on as a disordered person, its own Tinder profile. Nowadays they would ban me for doing that. And I have been banned for other reasons because when you live in Asheville, North Carolina, you're bored out of your mind. Sometimes you pretend to be a serial killer to like liven things up. So I am banned from Tinder, but like, like four or five years ago, I made my stomach, its own profile. And it showed that like, even the the part of my body that I didn't like the most, like people still wanted to go out and date me and they didn't have any idea what the rest of my body looked like. It was stupid. So (laughs) like body image really does affect your sex life. It really does affect your dating life. And um, it really started with, yes, finding my community, but also my work as a um, journalist and a published author and all of that stuff. Just really organically, honestly, if I were being honest.
0: Amazing. And it was,
1: it's been awesome and I am I'm so happy to be doing the work that I'm doing and um and I'm just—I'm so glad to work with this specific community, because—and and I work with not—I work with partnered people too. So there, there are a lot of people who aren't single but just want to have better sex and dating lives with the person that they're dating. Yeah. And um, I work with them too. So wow, uh, yeah, Dana, yeah.
0: I love that you're doing this, and it's—I <laughs> I know that you're amazing at it, and I and I love oh, your thanks, niche, Franny. and I think that's just—it's so powerful when you know, to be as a client it's so powerful to find a coach who so aligns with yeah. your own, you know, worldview and experience. And so I know how powerful that is. So I'm I'm excited right.
1: for your clients. That's so cool. Yay. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just I got to a point where I was like, there's so many dating coaches out there who take it way too fucking seriously. And like I really do believe that dating is not that serious, number one. And number two, like, I'm just not the type of coach who's gonna like take both your hands and be like like this is the first day of the rest of your life. This is the most important journey. I'm like, no, go get your clit like sucked. Like, have yeah. fun. Well, like, no, seriously, coach says
0: that, to, that a really weird. Like, okay, okay, person.
1: Like, um, it doesn't okay. have to be that <laughs> precious, but it's just like, yeah i I just wanted it to be conversational and fun. Yeah. Like, dating is supposed to be fun. If you're not, if you're working with a dating coach and you're not having fun, then they're doing it wrong. Like, seriously. <laughs> You're supposed to have you're supposed to be having a great time.
0: Should absolutely, absolutely be fun. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I have one last question for you, Dana. And you answered this last time because I always ask Mm -hmm. it. But um if you had one if you had a megaphone loud enough for the whole world to hear and you could send out one message about love, what would that message be?
1: Love is the only facet of your life where you can work really, really hard and nothing is guaranteed. And this is something that a lot of people struggle with, because in our culture, we're taught that if you work really hard in school, you graduate, you work really hard in uh, your job, you get promoted, you can work really hard in dating, you can date your face off, it honestly comes up, it comes down to the universe, sending people who are vibrating on your frequency. And sometimes they're sent to you. And like, with impeccable timing, which I will say is what happened for me. And sometimes they're sent to you when the timing isn't super right. Um, but a lot of it comes down to just like going along with the ebbs and flows of life and just keep holding space and believing that there are good people out there. Um, and a yeah, lot of it comes yeah. down. Yeah. And it comes down to like some mindset stuff that if you don't believe that there is a person out there for you, that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. The first step is believing that is a word.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy 100%.
1: Right. It's like, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And Mm -hmm. if so, my work is to get people to believe that there are amazing people out there throughout the entire United States. And I know that because I dated across the entire United States and back and fucked half of them for you. So I know that they're out there. (laughs) You know, so like, don't come to me thinking that those people don't exist because they do. Um, And the world is full of amazing people. And it's very possible to find people who are um, at your level. So
0: absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Nina, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so for the work that you do. And thank you so oh, much for being thanks. back
1: on the show. Oh, my goodness. Thank um, you for having me.
0: I will, of course, link to your social media and to your website in the show notes. Everyone, please be sure to check them out if there's yes. any one last thing that you want to directly make sure people know about
1: yeah so I have a patreon I love my patreon yes, so much it's right. for I'm gonna people. Link to that too yeah so some people just want to follow me because I'm a hu- at the end of the day I'm a humorous and always will be I am a funny weird lady um, <laughs> so I have a it's patreon.com slash Dana Hamilton and then my website is Dana and you can learn all about my coaching and you can also just read my portfolio because I still am a journalist for a bunch of major outlets um, and yeah follow me on on social media because i do a lot of cool things with sex toys and giveaways and teaching people to have more pleasure in their lives and the first sunday of every month i uh let the floodgates open and i answer six questions about sex and dating for that anyone can join so i have sex talk sunday the first sunday of every month and if you are a vip patreon member you get your own sex talk sunday the second sunday of every month so fantastic um, yeah that's that's what i'm up to right now
0: Oh my gosh. So much good stuff. We'll all be in the show notes. Thank
1: you so much, Dana. Have a beautiful day, honey.
0: You too. And there you have it. My conversation with Dana thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Be sure to check the show notes where I will be linking to Dana's website and to her social media. If you are interested in talking to her about dating coaching, as you know, her specialty is anti-diet dating coaching. And you know, I just think that's amazing. And it's such a cool and necessary niche. And I'm really excited that she is the one who is filling it. So I wish her so much luck in that endeavor and please support her. Follow her on social media. I will be linking to her social media, of course, in the show notes. So check that out. You can also find in the show notes links to my social media. I'm at Dear Franny on everything, especially Instagram and Twitter is where I'm the most active these days. And the podcast is at Dear Franny Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And um, yeah, for those of you who have rated the show, reviewed the show, thank you so much and if you are enjoying the show I would ask you to please take a few moments to just rate it five stars wherever you're listening and if you feel moved to write a review as well then I am extra grateful for that but you know hey I'll take just the rating <laughs> it's a lot easier it takes a lot less time either way it helps me and show so thank you so much. If you are enjoying the show and you want to share it with your friends, anybody you think might benefit from it, that would be most appreciated as well. That's how these things get uh, you know get out there. People hear the show by recommendations. So your recommendations mean a lot and your attention means a lot. So I don't take it for granted that you are spending some of your precious time with me today. And um, I wish you well. I wish you love and health and peace and joy and until next time take care. Bye. Bye.